ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode five of Jordan and Drew, the sports crew. My name is Jordan Lorenz, joined alongside the one and only Drew Skyberg. And Drew, can you believe it? Episode five already. We're flying by. We made it. And it's really episode six because the pilot didn't count True. episode. But time is flying. I'm doing great. Jordan's doing great. We're excited to get into episode five. Yeah, we're having a blast, and we've got a lot of big things coming up in the future. As we say, we keep, we keep teasing it. The Summer Sports Spectacular, that is coming soon. You're going to want to be sure to stay tuned for that. Also, we still got to figure out the complete details, but our March Madness Blizzard Edition will be happening soon. And just, just a thought here, there's some speculation. That might be a YouTube exclusive because, Drew, we now have a YouTube channel. You were on the fence about this, but I'm getting it done. Yeah, we have a YouTube channel, Jordan and Drew, the sports crew on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe. And speaking of that, we also have something new called a wavelength. So, Jordan, you want to get into what a wavelength is? Yes. So, as I was trying to figure out this whole YouTube thing, wave was one of the places I discovered as like a way to put videos, but they kind of screw you because you only get two minutes of video for free and then the rest you got to buy. We're not paying for anything. We're not going to do that. We're just going to do it all free on the house. But one of the good things we got out of that is this wave link. So when you see we share it on our Snapchat or Twitter or whatever, it is this new thing where it shows all of our episodes right on there. And then it shows every single platform that we are on. So if you're on Apple podcast, and you just see it every week, then you don't have to worry about this. But if you're new, and you see this wave link, you can pick Apple podcast, Google podcast, Spotify, and then there's just a bunch of other weird little things that they're on. It's all right on there on that link. So be sure to check it out. And Drew, I'm pretty sure you can even listen to the podcast right through the link, right? Yes, you can. You can choose which podcast to listen to. You can read descriptions of what the episode is about. And it's just really a great tool to share our podcast with you guys. And we're really excited to start using it. Super organized. We love to see it. And as for our YouTube, just one more thing to mention real quick. That's just one of those things where we're getting all the past episodes up on there. But if you have like a smart TV or even on your computer or something, just put the video up. It's not an actual video. It's just a still picture as the podcast plays. But we're just trying to spread the word, get the around more of this podcast. We want to get this as big as possible. So check out our YouTube and subscribe. Like Drew said, it's just the name of our podcast, Jordan and Drew, the sports crew. Anything else, Drew, before we get to on this day? I think we got to get into on this day. We got a lot to talk about today. We do. And it is different because we're not talking about March Madness anymore. We're back to our normal format. We got five things to discuss. I had six, but I took out the other one. It was like the Brewers won 18 to one, but like there was yeah. no, it was a good win, but like there's nothing of substance to talk about. So here's some substance right away. And on this day in 1877, catcher's mask was first used in a baseball game. I shout out to all the catchers before 1877 who were catching without a mask. As a former catcher myself, I would never be able to do that. You know how scared you'd be back there? That's dangerous. Yeah, yeah that'd be extremely scary. And even some catchers, I remember back, I remember seeing stuff out because I went to the Baseball Hall of Fame once, and they caught with their bare hands. And there's photos in, of them catching with bare hands, which I I find remarkable. I mean, I don't think they were throwing 100 miles an hour back in the no. day, though. But still, that is just insane and 1877 was the first time a catcher's mask was used and if you look up a picture of that boy has it changed since then so on this day in 1940 nfl cuts the clipping penalty from 25 yards to 15 yards i thought this was interesting because a 25 yard penalty drew football player yourself explain what a clipping penalty is 
So we're going to explain using the NFL officials website because I want to make sure I'm as thorough uh, as possible about this. So it's going to be a little wordy. Yeah. Clipping in the NFL is considered blocking an opponent from behind or below the waist, provided the opponent is not a runner. It is not clipping if an opponent turns his back as the block is delivered or about to be delivered. So it's kind of the idea of like a low, a low cut block that's illegal. And at least in NFL is what it's considered. I'm not really sure what the high school rule is about that. I'm pretty sure they just call it like an illegal chop block. And it's probably yards as well. So I am, was awfully surprised to hear it was 25 at a time. That's yeah. a big penalty. That is huge. I mean, other than pass interference, you're not going to see anything over 15. So that happened on this day in 1954, the eighth NBA championship. Listen to this. The Minneapolis Lakers beat the Syracuse Nationals. That was game seven of the series, Minneapolis Lakers and Syracuse Nationals. On this day in 1958, the 12th NBA championship saw the St. Louis Hawks beat the Boston Celtics. That was in game six where that happened. And another NBA thing, I found this very interesting. On this day in 1992, I'm assuming this holds up as the second lowest scoring game in NBA history. The Detroit Pistons beat the New York Knicks 72 to 61. Drew, that's Oof. crazy. We're seeing college scores higher than that. And it's high school as well. That's kind yeah. of for professionals. I, I, want, I would love to see the shooting percentages in that. <sighs> yeah, those are going to be rough for sure. Maybe next week we can find those and add them in there. But yeah, 72 to 61. That is halftime scores for NBA reach that sometimes now. So that wraps up on this day in history. And now. It is time for our weekly sports talk segment. We've got a new segment coming up later in the show, so be sure to listen through the entirety of this before we get there. But first, we wanted to talk about ships. We like talking about our ships. Me, former Lincoln graduate of 2020. So Manitoba Lincoln football lost to Oshkosh West 35-0 to this past Friday. It was very weird. It was like a 5 o'clock start, so I missed the first bit of it because I was coming home from work. Good thing Damon Ryan on the radio. Does a great job. I mean, these games, though, tough to call at this point when the ships are giving up this many points. Drew, you have a really remarkable stat. They haven't scored since the second play of the year. Tell everyone how much they've been outscored. So I was looking through some stats, like Jordan said, and they have been outscored 199 to 7 so far this season per max preps. And that is remarkably not great. (laughs) To say the least. To say the least, yes. And we're, we're hoping that they can turn it around, maybe at least get a victory in in this shortened COVID-19 season in the spring. But so far, it's been it's been what we talked about. It's been defense, defensive issues, and turnovers on offense. It's just the ships, they just can't get any momentum. Defense, once in a while, they'll get a stop. They'll get a turnover, maybe get some good field position. They just turn the ball over again, and it's just it's just tough to watch sometimes. Yeah, there's a guy in Oshkosh West, number three it was. I don't remember his name, but he has six interceptions on the year. Two of those came in that game against the ship. So the turnovers, once again, just really getting to him. And we also, we have to mention, number 78 of Oshkosh West. He's a sophomore, six foot seven, 350 pounds as a sophomore. So you're, if you're Brett Prangy, I'm sorry, but you're not running past that. There is no way. Oshkosh West did a really good job making the ships throw the ball. There's no stats on with sports so far, but I do know for sure that there was at least two interceptions from that number three. And the ships next week, they had a schedule mishap as Green Bay Southwest is in quarantine. So now the ships are playing Madison 
club team is the official name. They're just playing three games on the year. This club team last week, they beat kingdom prep Lutheran 55 to eight. So Manitowoc Lincoln might be in a little bit of trouble this coming Friday, but they get to host the game seven o'clock, April 16th, be there, support your ships because this is the last home game of the year for the ships. Cause I mean, I don't think they're going to be hosting any of those Fox Valley classic crossover games as they're being called. And after this, they face to Pier and to Pier right now, they're a very, very dominant team three and zero on the year only average Ooh. 26 points per game, but still going to be a tough test for the ships. We'll see what happens when we get there, but at least there's someone doing well at Lincoln. That's their volleyball squad. Listen to this true. They finished 13 and one on the year, won the regional championship. And I'm going to count how many games they've won in a row by sweeping the other team. Ready for this? I'm right. Sheboygan North, Sheboygan South, Pulaski, Ashwaubenon, McFarland, Fond du Lac, Notre Dame, and Green Bay Southwest. They've swept all of those teams. How many is that? Seven? That's eight teams. In a row. Incredible. Their last loss was on March 15th. That was to Kimberly. They lost in four sets. Kimberly, a tough team. But they started the year sweeping Bayport, sweeping Sheboygan South, sweeping Suborgan North. The only team they didn't sweep was DePere, who's a tough team. They won all five sets in that game. But otherwise, these girls are red hot. And I figured by now we would know what their sectional game is and where they're playing. But no, there's nothing updated yet. So we're going to have to keep an eye out on that. They will be playing this coming Tuesday two games for the ship's girls pending. They win the first one. So I'm on the bracket right now. It looks like they'll be playing in Kettle Moraine, Oshkosh West, Beaver Dam, or Clintonville is what it looks like. So like I said, we'll keep an eye out on that. We'll discuss it all next year or next week. Sorry. Last year, the ships, I mentioned it last week, one game away from going to state. Hopefully they can get the job done and go to state this year. Drew, that is just phenomenal what those girls are doing this year. Yes, and even um, I heard on the radio from Lee Douglas or or Damon Ryan, one of the two, and I heard the girls were also ranked in the state at Division One for volleyball, so that's also remarkable, and that just shows the dominance they've had in the varsity program, and also their JV and JV two programs were on, I believe, undefeated seasons as well. So that's I know for sure JV was. I'm not positive about JV two, but yeah, that's insane what they're doing as a team. All good things around. So. Moving on just to discuss some combat sports real quick. On Wednesday, one championship fighting was on TNT for the first time. It was a three-fight main card. U.S. fans who are fans of the UFC should know the names Eddie Alvarez and Demetrius Johnson. They were both on the card. Started out, we got it with a fight right away. Like first five minutes, we had Eddie Alvarez. He was ready to go, and he got disqualified in a minute and three seconds thanks to punches to the back of the head of Erie Lapkus. It was heavily debated whether this tap was true or not and whether he should have been disqualified. He didn't even get a warning from the referee, and the referee didn't call it until Erie was like already laying down on his back in pain. So a very, very skeptical disqualification there and just a tough way to go out for Eddie Alvarez losing his first fight on TNT. And then stunner, Demetrius Johnson gets knocked out for the first time in his career. He won the flyweight Grand Prix, and he stepped up to take on Adriano Marias and boy, oh boy, Marias knocked out Mighty Mouse two minutes, 24 seconds into the second round. I was shocked and sad to see this happen because Mighty Mouse was dominant. And then just like that, he goes down there as a new flyweight king for sure. We'll be on the lookout to see what happens there. And also on Saturday, so just two days ago, UFC had their second fight night 
on ABC. We love a good free fight night on that national exposure. D-Rod, Daniel Enriquez beat Mike Perry in a dominant win. I went all 15 minutes and just dominated 13 of those 15 minutes. Mackenzie Dern, she is a prospect on the rise. She made Nina Nunes tap out with just 12 seconds left in the round. She got an armbar in and Nunes said, uh-uh, I'm not holding on. She tapped immediately. Smiling Sam Alvey ended up losing by submission. It was like a version of a bulldog choke from Julian Marquez. It was crazy. Sam Alvey goes down. Sam Alvey drew. He has more than double the amount of knockouts than Marquez had fights. And Marquez ended up getting the win. So talk about another prospect on the rise. He's a fun one. And he called, who did he call? Meyer League Cyrus, I'm pretty sure. After his first win, he said something about her. And then after this win, he mentioned the Chiefs because he's from Missouri. So he wanted to play badminton against Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and stuff. It was just really funny. Coming event, Arnold Allen beat Super Sodik Yusef by decision. And then in our main event, Marvin Vittori dominated Kevin Holland for 25 minutes. It was pure domination. Holland lost 50-44 on all the scorecards, I believe. So he lost by a 10-8 in one round. And he is just on a downward trend after that loss to Derek Brunson. And this was just a carbon copy of what happened in that fight. Vittori is looking good. And we'll see if he gets a shot at Israel Adesanya soon. So that wraps things up there. Sorry to bore you if you aren't interested, but I know you'll be interested in this, Drew. This is our Brewers talk, and we've got a huge week to discuss. It's going to all start with the Orlando Arcia trade. I am not a fan of this at all. What about you? I am mixed about this. I mean, we have Luis Urias, who's going to really step up and play that shortstop position now with Arcia gone. But we got two minor league pitchers. I don't do have the names up for them. I do. They are... Chad Sobotka and Patrick Weagle. So just real quick, um, I had right here, Spodka, 27 years old, had a 5.36 ERA and 61 strikeouts and 50 relief appearances for the Braves over three years. And then Weagle is 26 years old, gave up two runs in two thirds of an inning in his only major league relief appearance with Atlanta last season. And those two pitchers, like, like you mentioned, they have small sample size in the big league. Some not. Yeah. And I think they're promising pitchers and I think it's going to be a it could be a good trade in the long run but again who knows it's just Luis Arias has not been hitting as we've seen most of this Brewers team hasn't been hitting but with Saturday and Sunday wins being nine runs a piece the offense has scored in each game that's been promising but right now the, the trade just has some question marks like you've mentioned and I, I think it could be a good trade but we'll have to wait and see Yeah, that's what I was going to say is short term. It didn't seem like a good idea because none of the Brewers could hit. Our offense was really slack. And Arcia, he's always super consistent. He had the walk off in opening day. He hit that, which sent Kane home. So he was looking good there. And Craig Council said this trade is a commitment to Luis Urias. That is a commitment that we made. He earned this and it's an important time for him. He's going to get a great opportunity here. Give Urias some time. Hopefully he turns out well. I'm a big Orlando Arcia fan. When I was in Phoenix almost, yeah, three years ago at this point, I went to some spring training games and he signed one of my baseballs. So I really wow. like Arcia, cool guy. He's just good overall too as a player and he's going to Atlanta. So it says that um, Spotka and Weagle will report to the Brewers alternative training site in Appleton. So that's the Timber Rathers. It seems like they're going there and we'll just have to see what they do. Keep an eye on them. Always thinking long-term is Craig Council. And let's get right into the week on Monday. So one week ago today, the Brewers lost to the Cubs 5-3. to three. Not a whole lot to talk about here. Only four hits from the Brewers. 
It was Brett Anderson pitching. He gave up four hits and four earned runs in five innings. We saw Anderson, right? He pitched today or Sunday, Anderson, so one day ago. Yep, Anderson pitched Sunday. He had a great outing Sunday, excellent. And he really stepped up after that last outing and or last Monday when he gave up those three home runs in that one inning. And now he's looking – he looked a lot better, I thought, yesterday. And I'm really excited to see how his next start goes because we'll talk about Brewers starting pitching in our weekly recap. For sure we will. And guess what? Orlando Arcia had a hit in that game on Monday. So that was the last – pretty sure the last time he – Got a hit for the Brewers. Only other hits in that game belong to Garcia, who is hot to start the or these past few games. And then Narvaez had two hits, and he is hot to start the year. Yeah, so that was Monday, 5-3 loss. And then Brewers 4-0 win on Tuesday. Three runs came in that first inning. It was a huge inning for the Brewers. Pitching there, Freddie Peralta only gives up one hit in five innings, eight strikeouts on the day. This was a really good win. For the Brewers, Travis Shaw, three RBIs in the game, and Narvaez had one as well. Anything to add for this 4 nothing win on Tuesday? Yeah, I want to talk about the Brewers starting pitching, or the, the ERA so far this year. So over this over the first nine games, their starting pitching ERA is 2.05. Crazy good. Incredible. We knew this rotation was going to be good coming into the year. We didn't know it was going to be this good, and it's been lights out. I mean, there's still some work with the middle relief. With um, Fire Eisen, Rasmussen, Yardley. I mean, those guys, they've been okay this year, but like Yardley, especially, has been Yardley slack. really has been kind of rough. And yeah, they really got to step it up if we want to keep this, this great, excellent pitching staff intact. Because some of these games we'll talk about, Brewers jump out to an early lead and then it just goes downhill from there. I know for sure we'll talk about that in a minute, but Brewers only gave up one hit in that game on Tuesday, a win over the Cubs, and then back to back wins because they won on Wednesday, four to two this game. Went 10 innings. It did not need to. Brewers got a run in the eighth. This was Lorenzo Kane's huge day. Two home runs for Kane. And also Christian Yelich. He was three of four with a walk as well. So, I mean, Yelich and Kane looked good in this game. It came down to pitching. Woodruff, seven innings pitched, eight strikeouts, only gave up one hit. What a day for Woodruff. But then Devin Williams comes in and he allows a home run. In that eighth inning, Hater came in to save it in the ninth. And then Brad Boxberger, who would have figured this? He comes in <laughs> in the 10th inning to get the last out. Fire Eisen was there as well. And he walked two batters in that 10th inning. So what do you got to say here? Devin Williams, he has not been too great to start the year. No, and yeah, it's been a small sample size, of course. But he really, he's given up more runs than he has given up last year, all of last year. And that's, it's kind of tough because small sample size last year, small sample size so far this year. He's still an excellent pitcher. We know we know his changeup. We know we know how great he's going to be. So I'm not I'm not too worried about him, and I think he'll bounce back. He'll be fine. I hope so. It's just starting out the year. It's and him and Hater haven't pitched since last Wednesday. I'm pretty sure because they just really aren't needed. Either the Brewers are losing close or they're winning big, like we saw Saturday and Sunday. So. Thursday, Brewers lose to the Cardinals, a game we should not have lost here. Brewers put up a run in the third inning, and then they give up one in the seventh. That was a terrible error. I don't remember who was at second, but they needed to make a split-second play, and they decided to go to second first, where they were running to the bag and didn't get there in time, and then threw it to first, and it was too late. So then in the eighth inning, Nolan Arenado hits a big two-run shot. Tremendous, tremendous day. For Corbin Burns, six innings, nine strikeouts, only allowed one hit. And here we are, Eric Yardley, one inning, allows three hits and an earned run and walked a batter as well. And then 
Rasmussen came in, and that's when Nolan Arenado hit the big home run. I think he's had not, uh, he's got on a nine-game hitting streak, I'm pretty sure, as Arenado to start for the Cardinals. So he's doing great things. We basically lost to a home run here because otherwise I thought this game went pretty well. I, I'm totally with you on that. And I just I want to comment again about how we had another Thursday game and then a Friday off day again. Like, wh- why? Why do we do this? I don't like it. It's it's a weird way to start the year. I I did not I do not understand why. Let's make it the Thursday off day like usual. If it's going to be two three game series, and yeah, that's yeah because you play a team Thursday, then you're off Friday, and then you play them Saturday and Sunday, and both the Saturday and Sunday games were at like one o'clock too. So very very <laughs> odd. But Brewers get the win on Saturday nine five over the St. Louis Cardinals. They put up a run right away in the first, and then they put up two more in the fifth. So they were up three zero. But then Cardinals started coming back. It was 3-2 before the Brewers had a five-run seventh inning. Huge inning for the Brewers. 13 hits on the day. This is a team that probably had 13 hits in like the first five games. 13 hits in this one game. Their offense is finally, finally coming around. This is when Garcia had five RBIs. A huge day. I'm pretty sure he had a home run and a double with that. And Keston Hira had three RBIs as well. Hira finally, finally, finally showing up. Hits a home run. Thankfully, we're getting Keston Hira back. Yeah, I, Hira was a big piece to the offense last year, as we all know. And it's really start, It's really great to start seeing him make contact with the ball because I'm sick of seeing him just swing and miss and swing and miss. But we also need to point out, he's, he moved back to second recently due to Colton Wong on the, on the DL or the IL now. IL, yeah. Yep. And... I think, well, he made a crucial error in that game to cost two runs on Saturday. And luckily he made up for it with that three run bomb, but he's looking, he's looking a lot better recently. And I think that's a great piece to definitely have back in the the offense. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Look, I was going to mention Wong at the end. He's on that 10 day IL and along with that Christian Yelich, he is, he exited the game yesterday in like the second inning. He came out at the top of the second. It says with back soreness, he came out. JBJ came in, but I don't know. I mean, it doesn't, if you're leaving in the second inning, it's not like you're really resting. I'm sure we came out to a big lead, but a little concerned for Yelch to start the year. And I'm also a little worried about Shaw as he got removed today during the game as well as a precautionary reasons after he followed that ball off his right shin. So I'm concerned, Mm -hmm. but Hopefully those two are are okay because as we know, Shaw's been off to an excellent start offensively and defensively to start the year. And it's great to see Yelich. He's been, he's had some good games. I mean, he still had some shaky games that remind us of last year, but so far he's looking a lot better. Shaw is great to have back. We missed him. And I think the offense is starting to wake up and I'm really excited to get into what's going to happen next week. Yeah, this is a good Travis Shaw too. The Travis Shaw we're seeing, he is doing phenomenal. Yelich, like you said, He's doing good as well. It's baseball, so you're going to have some not good games. But otherwise, Yelch has been hitting the ball doing well. Just to mention real quick, on Saturday, Hauser, five innings pitched, gave up six hits and four walks. So that's not really a good look when you have three strikeouts and four walks. You can't be walking more guys than striking out. Josh Lindblom is someone who has just not been doing as well because he came from Korea, right? He was the KBO player we got. Yes, he was. And like, yeah, like what you just said, he's not has not been doing well in his middle relief role, which we've talked about as a common theme for what's been struggling, like the starting pitching, closing, closing with Williams and Hayter. They've been great. But the, the middle parts has not been there yet. Yeah, because if you have our starting pitcher who goes five, six innings, it's that even that sixth, seventh, eighth inning around there. Those are when things go downhill. 
Lynn Bloom pitched for two innings, allowed three hits and three earned runs, struck out and walked one batter each. And then this takes us to our game yesterday. Brewers win nine to three. They led seven nothing in this game to start. It was crazy. Kane had a huge double to start the game. And then Vogelbach gets an RBI. And then later, Avisel Garcia, two RBIs on the day. Travis Shaw, three RBIs, two RBIs for Manny Pena. It's nice to see Manny Pena hitting home runs. He hit one late in that ninth inning, a 9-3 win for the Brewers. Brett Anderson was the pitcher for this game, gave up five hits in five innings, only one earned run. But Brett Anderson, he was a little straight or a little streaky today is the word I'm looking for. A lot of those pitches were down in the dirt, only struck out one batter. Eric Yardley came in and allowed two runs. Yardley is struggling, to say the least, but we mentioned that before. And then Drew Ramison, Brad Boxberger, J.P. Fireisen, they all pitched an inning. Strikeout for Boxberger and Rasmussen, and a walk for Fireisen. So 9-3 win for the Brewers. Just a good, solid way to end the week. Right, Drew? Yep, I totally agree. When when you finish 4-2 and two and you take 2 out of 3 from two divisional opponents in the Cardinals and Cubs, I think that's a great way to end the week, and I'm really looking forward to this team for the next six games throughout this week. Yeah, so we'll talk about that in a second. First, let's quickly recap the standings to start the year. Reds on top six and two on the year. The Reds are putting up runs. They're scoring 10-11 a game. That is going to be tough when we face them. And then Brewers sitting pretty over the Cardinals, both teams at five and four. Cubs are four and five. They're struggling to start the year. And as we expected, the Pirates sitting at the bottom three and six for the week or for the year. So now let's talk about this week. Our new segment, Drew and I are going to predict how this Brewers team does for the week. And when we say week, we mean Monday through Friday. So that way, if we record on Saturday, we know for a fact that we have our stuff done. So Cubs and Brewers, three game series. That's right. They're back at it again. 640 today, 640 tomorrow. And then the nice 1240 again on Wednesday, and then it starts a three-game series with the Pirates. They have Thursday off, so we're back to that Thursday off day. Friday night, they play at 7-10, Saturday at 6-10, and then 1-10 on Sunday. So, Drew, what do you think is going to happen this week with the series against the Cubs and Pirates? So I'm thinking we're going to take two out of three from both teams. I know I it might not it might be tough. I think it's going to be tough, but they're against Al Zule to, tomorrow, or today, my bad. And yep, today it, they put up runs against him last week. And I really think, I think if the starting pitching just keeps doing what they did this past week, I think, I think they're going to take two out of three from both, from both teams again with an occasional miss mishap, maybe in one of the three games in both in a series. But I just, this team right now, they're, they're kind of hot right now. I mean, I would say, I mean, I think you put a little asterisk there because as long as the offense is putting up runs and we have our starting pitching doing well, like they are, then I think we're fine. It's when we're in these 0-0-1-0 games, that's when things get dangerous. But if we're playing like we are yesterday, where we put up four runs in the first inning, I don't think this team's going to have any problems. It's just a matter of putting up the runs. Started out cold. Now they're doing better. So my prediction for the week, I'm going to go bold. I'm going to say this team goes 3-1 and one on Monday through Friday. They'll lose a game to – who are they going to lose to? They'll lose – I'm going to say they're going to lose on Wednesday to the Cubs, but they're going to win the first two and then they'll beat the Pirates on Friday. So I'm going to go bold to start this off and I'm going to go three and one. All right. And I'm going to go, I'm going to say, cause I'm going to include the weekend games too. So okay. game series, I'm, I'm saying four and two, like this past week, I say they're going to recap, redo another four and two week. I'm concerned in the future, but I think these two, 
I think these two um, series is they're going to take two out of three. Obviously, you're not going to win every series. They lost already a three-game series to the Twins to open the year. But I feel like if this team takes two out of three again, the these two series, I think they're going to be in good shape. And, yeah. and that Twins team is – that's a good Twins team. Byron that's Buxton's a- hit five home runs in eight games, so it's not like the Brewers pitching was doing bad there. Buxton's just hot. The Twins are good. So there's our bold takes for the week coming up. Drew? You're going to need some help with trivia this week. This is tough. College mascots level three. Are you ready? Well, did you have anything else to talk about for sports for the week? Are you ready for some mascot trivia? I'm ready for some mascot trivia. I'm just really hoping my brewers, you know, they can, they can prove my prediction, right? That would be huge to start off our new segment where we predict their record. So you're 19 and 30 overall in trivia. Yeah. And this, this might bring it down more level three of college mascots, the toughest of the tough number one. Sebastian the Ibis. Oh, I wish Sister Jean was here to help me. Please, Sister Jean, <laughs> help. Can we re- repeat the name? Sebastian the Ibis. I mean, assuming I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, uh, Drake. It is Miami. That, that's weird because I know they're Miami Hurricanes, you know, Canes, the old yeah. U. But Sebastian the Ibis is that mascot there. This one, I think you'll be able to get the tree tree did you ever play ncaa like 14 or anything back no. in the day washington play as mascots no no oh it is stanford that makes so, sense see i knew it was gonna be somewhere west coast i didn't know where that is true you were in the right direction but in the back in the day when the ncaa had football games and stuff you could play as mascots so like some of these I actually recognize from there because it would just be all the same mascot on the field it was a lot of fun and NCAA games are coming back. So, hey, that's really fun. Next one, yeah. Rocky the Rocket. Uh, Rocky the Rocket. Rocky, Rocky the Rocket. Well, what? The, I mean, we know Houston Rockets, but. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's not college. That's not going to be college here. I'm going to say Colorado. It is Toledo. Buffaloes. Oh, no, no. Toledo Rocket. No. Toledo. I don't even know what Toledo is, but Toledo is Rocky the Rocket. All right. 03 to start, as expected. I thought you were going to get the tree, but that's okay. <laughs> this one, you might get because, yeah, the Friar. Oh, Providence. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Oh. Big East, you might, you might be able to get that one, and you did. I know my Big East. Yep. So the Friar is Providence. That is correct. One of four, not bad. 25%. We will take it. Last one, the Blue Blob. Blue blob. Blob, yes. Wow. Where does the blue blob belong to in our last set? It's going to be a blue team. That would be my guess. So I'm going to say, I'm going to go East. I'm going to say Creighton. It is not Creighton. It's Xavier. Musketeers? I'm just telling you what I read online. Xavier Musketeers? Wait, Big East. Xavier's mascot is the blue blob. What? So that's what we got. One of five day. That's what you did last week, too. You were one of five in level two. So, I mean, hey, not a bad day at the office. 20%. We are now 20 of 35 overall. That is <sighs> that is a little struggling, to say the least. But we're going to get it back up there. Next week, we'll be back to our normal wheel. We've got grab bag and an F 
or Green Bay Packers 2020-21. Oh my goodness. Green Bay Packers 2020-2021 season. Those are the two options along with Drew's choice. So Drew, you might end up yeah. getting to pick which one it is, but you've got two options left. If you didn't listen to that March Madness episode, I had like a brain fart where everything shut down. Listen to what I had to say in that episode. I my words just did not come out of my mouth. We thought for sure Creighton was going to be a lock to lose, but they didn't. Or we they oh, I, what am I saying? They didn't lose. They ended up. Winning. That was what happened in that March Madness episode. I don't know what happened there. And the words just did not come out. So that's what we were missing out on. If you haven't listened to that already, what do you got? Through anything to wrap things up before we I think get out of here. I think that's all. I'll take the one out of five this week, considering it was level three, and I'm excited for some grab bag or some Packers trivia next week. Grab bag is going to be fun when we get to do that. The Packers one should be pretty easy, as long as you follow the Packers for the year. Maybe a five out of five there. There's a tough one in there, so we will have to see. Otherwise, that's basically it. Be sure to spread news about the podcast. Subscribe to that YouTube channel, Jordan and Drew, the sports crew, and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Leave a comment, too. Say something nice about it. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Jordan Law. That's J-O-R-D-O-N-L-A-W underscore P-X-P. Drew, you? I'll shout out the Twitter this week. Follow me on Twitter, DrewSky160. That's that. And that's basically it. That wraps up episode five. We'll be right back here for episode six next Monday. We'll have it to you. Who knows what we'll be able to talk about. Not a whole lot of sports news this week. We focused on our brewers because that's all we had to do. So nothing wrong with that, right? We will be back and eventually coming up, not only the summer sports spectacular, but March Madness Blizzard edition. I can't wait for that. Whenever we figure out the details, that will be up for you all. Thank you for listening to episode five of Jordan and Drew, the sports crew, the perfect podcast for you.